welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and uh, happy spring to all of you. I'm, for one, I'm glad it's here. So uh, I'd say maybe the season starts, but man, it's been busy with uh, Belize and Godzone and XPD all in the last like three weeks, so... Here is one of our, uh, this will be one of our first episodes um, about God's Zone. I've got a whole bunch of them uh, lined up. And we have some more from uh, uh, Belize lined up in the next few weeks. And I think we're going to have a couple, obviously, from um, XBD. I'm pretty sure we'll talk to uh, Abby and Brett. And, uh, man, just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, shout out to Rob Preston because we talked a little bit um, after Coast to Coast. And that's definitely going to go up because it was quite an interesting conversation. But um, I guess since we're running late with it already, a little bit more won't. So that will be coming up in the next uh, next few weeks when we get uh, some of these these races taken care of so I guess it's enough babbling with me I have a dog that is out in the truck we just got back from a little hike a little flying of the drone and doing some um, time lapse stuff uh, just getting a chance to play with all that all that fun kind of equipment and work on different techniques and stuff so Next time I get to a race, I'll bring you even more cool coverage. So, birds are under cages. Um, waiting for Paulette to get home tomorrow. She got to go out of town again. Well, she didn't get to go out. She went to work. And um, she's got a new, uh, new project. She closed her clinic and is um, doing some other stuff. Still seeing a few patients. And some other cool things that will actually make money and not be nothing but paperwork. So I'm kind of excited about that. Anyway, let's uh, hear what Chris and Emily had to say and uh, enjoy the God Zone coverage. All right, go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Bye. Is that working? There we go, video. Oh, uh, G'day, Randy. It's working. I hear you. You can hear me? How are you? Good, ya? good. Yes, I can. Excellent. She's over over here somewhere hiding, eating oh, breakfast. She got distracted to talking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whereabouts are you based, Randy? I'm in um, South Dakota. Ah, cool, cool. So you're obviously yeah, following the God Zone race a bit, were you? Oh. Say that again. Um, hang on. I just got to accept your okay. camera. Here we go. Now I can see you. Hello. <laughs> there. Nor- normally we don't have to do video, but I'm here and I can. So. <laughs> well, that's what we thought. Might as well. Yeah. So tell me it's 70 degrees and sunny there. Um, mm. my, my conversions of degrees are still struggling, but it is sunny and looks like oh. it's getting pretty warm today. Yeah, good. So we have um, 
about 25 Fahrenheit and 10 inches of snow. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty, so, pretty exciting. Yeah, it's quite late, is it? Yeah, and tomorrow it's going to be 50 plus and sunny and it'll all go away. Uh, so is it change, changeable this time of year? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> have you had plenty? Have you had plenty of coffee? Yes, oh, yep, yep. Yes, yeah, I've got a, I've got a good coffee here, so I'm, I'm well okay. sorted. <laughs> cool. All right, so I'm going to start with the elephant in the room. Is that okay? Yeah. What What happened? What happened between checkpoint? What was it? Uh, twenty six and twenty seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did seem to be a little bit of um, stirring up some some amusement on on Facebook and wherever the followers are pedaling off down the wrong arm there. Um, Even yeah. as we did it, we knew as soon as we realised what we'd done, we thought, "Oh gosh, everyone's going to say this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. Aaron was a little scared he might get some flack for it as well, but no, it was all, all my doing. Um, yeah, no, pretty much we, I guess we'd just come off the bikes and we're feeling pretty excited that, you know, things were things were looking up for us because we had just, I guess, gone past Sword Fox and knew we had a bit more sleep in the in the bank there um, than what they had because we'd sort of had a reasonably good sleep the night before, whereas they'd more or less pushed through from the previous afternoon. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, so we sort of did a you know reasonably good transition into the boats and headed off. And I guess there was a couple of things retrospectively that were some good learning points. But I think the the key thing is I sort of looked at it and thought, oh, you can't really go wrong. Um, didn't pay didn't pay much attention. I mean, it, it wasn't like it was difficult navigation, but it was, I guess. So it sort of lured lured me into a bit of a false sense of security. Just looking at it and think, oh, you pretty much. And the way they had the map, um, not for the viewers online you couldn't see, but on the maps that we were given by the organisers, they had a, some information that was covering up more or less where the arm continued beyond where uh-huh. you were supposed to turn. So on the map we were given, it looked like you more or less would hit a um, sort of land and be forced to you know, turn left up the correct sound, whereas obviously <laughs> in reality you could you know, do a very gentle corner and continue on indefinitely, um, more or less. And, yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing because we were sort of, I guess we hadn't looked at, you know, the time when we set off, and I think we had a tailwind. I guess just the boats are so much faster than in the pack craft, so we sort of didn't really, you know, fully account for just how quick it would be to get down there. We sort of paddled off for you know, we weren't sleepy, were we? We no. were paddling quite hard. Oh, I, think, I, think lo- I think lots of people thought, oh, I must be real tired. But no, it was... It was Unfortunately, <laughs> that wasn't an excuse. No. Um, so I think we just sort of paddled off, you know, quite well. And then Aaron actually was like, oh, it looks like there's a bit of a, you know, sound off to the left there, which was actually where we should have got up. Um, but I sort of had a bit of a look at the map and was like, oh, well, we can still see the hills on this right-hand side and we should be hitting a headland in front of us if we, you know, go too far. We couldn't see anything straight ahead, um, but I sort of got the, you know, I hadn't really checked the compass that thoroughly. Um, and more or less, I was like, oh, we can't really go wrong. We'll just keep going, and sooner or later we'll get a woken right out and we'll, you know, hang a left there. But <laughs> we, we kind of paddled off excitedly. And again, you know, I think because of the, at that stage in the race, the time kind of goes a bit quicker, so it's probably 
probably sensible to look at the watch a bit more regularly, but, you know, the next thing we sort of knew, I was like, oh, this is really not looking right. Because I, I knew that, you know, we had been panning for quite a while, and this headland I was sort of looking at on the right-hand side had disappeared, and we still weren't going round to bend. And then I more or less pulled out the map more thoroughly and kind of, you know, after about a few seconds of looking at it, once I'd sort of opened the map out, you know, to the full extent, we're saying like, ah, oh, made lots of swear words. <laughs> um, yeah, was pretty pretty much realised that we'd been paddling about 45 minutes downwind in the wrong direction. It was like, oh, that's really not good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely a bit, yeah. of a bit of a down moment for the team because I guess, you know, you, you race so hard um, and, you know, spend all this time, you know, trying to save little minutes here and there and things and then just to throw, throw it away with more or less pure carelessness because it wasn't, as I say, like I think it would be more, I mean, it would be still frustrating but a bit more, um, I guess, understanding if it was, you know, just tricky navigation that you really were, you know, trying mm-hmm. trying your best with and, you know, just were, couldn't make sense of it or whatever. Um, whereas it yeah, really yeah. was just carelessness. So it was kind of, yeah, I, I felt pretty pretty bad for the team because, you know, especially if we then got beaten by somewhere around that zero to an hour and a half and be like, oh, it was all my fault for that. <laughs> we kind of cocked up. Um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, we were feeling pretty good and I guess that sort of made us a bit more a- angry with frustration anyway. So we pretty much set off paddling wildly back up to where we should have been. Um, and, yeah, by the time we got into the hut, we were about an hour behind Swordbox, um, which was about what we expected because we knew we'd lost more than an hour and a half, but we had, I guess we were already ahead of them and paddling a bit quicker. Um, so we were sort of an hour down behind, but they had stopped to sleep, so they were there in the hut. And I guess we knew that they would be sleeping or... I guess we felt that if they chose not to sleep, like if they thought, oh, we'll just try and push on, then that would be also a really bad decision for them because they, you know, we we knew they were kind of quite tired and they still had 20 hours of race. It wasn't like it was just, you know, another five hours to go. Um, So that's the thing. So we still had quite a long way to go and we had already, I don't know exactly the, the figures, but we had at least two maybe even close to three hours more sleep than them. Um, so even though we were kind of like an hour behind at that point, um, we kind of were up, you know, a couple of hours of sleep. So even after they had an hour, I guess our total sleep over the race was still an hour or, you know, an hour at one to two hours ahead of them. So I, I guess even though it sort of felt like, you know, at the time, oh, you know, we were kind of slightly behind or you know, maybe, you know, that they'd have us mm-hmm. out and they'll be fresh. Um, the thing is that, you know, at that stage in the race, I mean, an hour sleep definitely is better than no sleep. If you're really, really tired, you know, you'll mm-hmm. go better, but it's not going to suddenly make you um, feel like you've started the race afresh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so, yeah, I guess we were, you know, fairly... We were pretty fired up. <laughs> pretty fired up. So we just, yeah, basically went up the, up the up the valley as quickly as we could. Basically, our game plan is that we, we knew we were also keen to have some sleep as well. Um, so we more or just went up there. As, and I guess because we knew we were only racing, you know, going to stop for a sleep, it's sort of easy to keep motivated to, you know, push hard um, for a few hours, sort of knowing you're going to have a break. So we kind of went up there really hard and then had a quick one-hour stop and then, as I say, kind of set off reasonably eager again. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know. Well, you know, it made for excitement. Definitely caused caused a bit of um, frustration for the viewer, well, entertainment for the for the online viewing. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of photos posted around of that shot, of that screenshot <laughs> of the of the point where Sawbox is going into the fjord and. Um, Elands is just way out on the side, and that's been sent around all over the place. Yeah, well, I guess it's one of these yeah. things. If you sort of have a, a, you know, I guess a bit of a reputation of being a good navigator, everyone always gets excited when you do some mistakes. So that's fair enough. I, 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 I just, I deserved, deserved a bit of mocking there. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so this goes back a little ways, but I'm. This is kind of personal. Um. What happened when you were trying to go to the caves in Wyoming? Caves in Wyoming? Oh, well, basically, oh. it was just, I guess, one of these situations where we didn't have a map um, to show where the entrance to the cave was, and the organisers mm-hmm. sort of said, you know, follow these tapes, and I guess I always, I mean, I've had some even more frustrating races. We did a race, I think it was maybe even the World Champs over in France, where they had a section where we were... Oh, no, it wasn't. It was another race. Anyway, it was some race over there where, you know, again, you didn't... It wasn't really shown on the map, and they just sort of had information about, you know, following some tapes. And I guess it's Mm. tricky from a navigator's point of view where you want to, you know, have a map to show you where you are. And the problem here is that I think they, in the Wyoming situation, they had some additional tape that had been put out for some other event. Well, I don't know. It was a bit confusing because there was different coloured tapes around the place and we kind of followed the, I'm guessing, the wrong coloured tape or something. And because we didn't yeah. really have any strong information of where the entrance was on a map or in mm-hmm. writing, you know, I guess it just it makes it a bit frustrating because, you know, you start to follow these tapes and then you're kind of like, oh, what should we do? You know, we, do we continue up this track? That's sort of what the information indicated but then on the we kind of knew I guess vaguely from the really big overview map that the cave was somewhere down you know near the river level so then we're kind of like I guess it just caused a little bit of you know anxiety amongst the team and you know because there's not like a clear solution as to what the best you know what the best approach is you know they're sort of like oh should we go on should we go back and I guess we were having obviously a bit of a bit of stress and um, debate as to which was the which was the best kind of call to make. <laughs> Way to so go. that was kind of what is what happened there. But in the end, we kind of went obviously back down and found the right way, and it all worked out fine. But yeah, I guess it did cause a, a little bit of brief stress in the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then kind of the secondary question is that I've um, watched the Japanese documentary, and does it because there was a film crew there when that happened? Does that kind of annoy you? When you're having this like sort of stressful moment and somebody's sticking a camera in your face. Oops, did you hear me? Um, we're just losing you a bit there. I'm not sure. It could be our internet. Uh-huh. I'm guessing. I'm not sure. Uh, just try that again. Okay. So, um, watching the documentary, the Japanese documentary, when you were having that little bit of a problem, there's a film. The film crew was there. Yeah. Does that bother you having somebody stick a camera in your face like that? Um. When you're stressed, I guess it doesn't help the situation, but um, I guess on the whole, we do tend to be probably good at ignoring. I guess we've had enough um, 
film crews and, and they do tend to like to hang around places like transitions or mm-hmm. um, I, I guess it's often around the transitions or, or that, that kind of area where you're doing it. I mean, it's not really like a transition there, but you know, when you're sort of trying to, um, I guess in those situations is where they often seem to <laughs> seem to pop up the film crews. I guess you get a yeah. bit used to having them there. And um, so I don't think it probably had a big influence on, on our team um but yeah i guess it's it always kind of makes you feel like a bit more under additional well additional pressure and a bit silly because you know you, you i guess in the back of your mind even though you kind of try to deal with it you do know you've been filmed and so instead of a little bit like uh i don't know so it's even a little bit embarrassing that you kind of make you know when they're filming you sort of lost or making mistakes or you know <laughs> doing something a bit silly but you always like uh, it'd be kind of good if you weren't just filming us, but that's sort of part of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus you know that they can follow you for 25 hours and see 24 and a half hours of good and, and not show any of that. <laughs> that's right. Because so, there's no drama. They're not, not going to show the boring part. They're always going to show where there's a bit of drama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, all right. So I have like a whole list of questions from people. I ne- I'd never done this before, but I put out a thing that said, you've got any questions for Emily and, and Chris. Okay. So th- this will be fun. Um, so Polly Locke, this is Pot Calling Kettle Black. When you guys race together, are you teammates or are you married? Um, I'd say a bit of both. I, I think for us, I mean, it's the first time we have actually done a – adventure race together we've done a couple of you know shorts of 12 hour races but yeah i mean this was our first long one and i guess leading up to it you know we're a little bit unsure exactly how to pan out but i guess during the race it felt really familiar and i guess we've done we do do a lot of adventures and trips and missions and things together and i guess even though you're in a race it's not that different i I mean i guess you know I suppose a lot of the trips we do, we're often in the dark or have, you know, difficulties of rivers to try and get across or some things, other... Things go wrong. Things don't, <laughs> things don't always go to plan either. So you kind of get used to dealing with each other a bit. And I don't, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a mixture. We, we, we kind of act as a, a bit kind of, uh, still a little bit, you know, yeah. like a couple, but not, I guess predom- most of the time you are basically working as a team. So I, th- I think we're quite good at... And both of us have yeah. not been too, um, you know, I think some couples they end up being very much a couple during the race, and that's, you know, not good for a team situation. Um, whereas, mm. you know, I think mostly we, we do work pretty well together with Aaron and Bushy as a whole team. So we, I think we, and I think if you ask the others, they'd probably say the same thing. I think we, I think one of, for us, one of the big things that was really cool about this God's own race is that we did have a really good team and it, it felt like a it felt like it felt a felt like a foursome, not a not a two and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's cool. Um but you've raced the same race but done different teams, right? Because you did God's own both did God's own two years ago, right? Am I remembering Oh, uh, right? we've both we've both done it every year but but I'm you're never right. on the same okay. <laughs> but, but you're right, we have no, no, teams around. Yeah. Is it um is it easier when you're on the same team or easier when you're separate teams racing the same race? I thought it was nearly easier being on yeah, the same team. I thought so. Finish at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, you didn't have to wait around no, for each exactly. other. No, exactly. And, and I think we could we could sort of share out. You know, normally there's this big um, dilemma when you've got all your gear and you're trying to sort it out. And Chris is saying, "Oh, here you can have this many batteries, and I'll have this many batteries." And and then, oh, oh, what are we going to do? We've only got one of the PLBs. Oh, how are we going to sort that out? Whereas this time there was no, we didn't have to make decisions like that. So, and then food as well, we were able to just share. Like sometimes I just said, "Right, Chris, you can just carry an extra sandwich in there," and then I'll have that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so it does, I think that's easier well, in some ways. Yeah, and no, I, I thought, and even just when you're out there, it's kind of, I don't know, I thought it's quite cool racing um, and just sort of sharing the same the same experience together. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes you're on sort of separate teams and you're never quite sure what the other people are up to. Or, yeah, you was wondering, I'm always wondering where Chris is and where <laughs> going and it was pretty cool to be. So, yeah, no, I thought it was, it was a cool experience, definitely. Yeah. So I guess the uh, ultimate question is, would you race together again? I think we're both pretty keen. Yeah. I'd race with Christine. <laughs> Don't know if he'd race. Well, no, I, I think he would. <laughs> yeah. That's a definite positive. Um, all right. Question number two. Uh, my friend Paul Ayers, this is, kind of, this is probably more for you, Chris. Um, how do you navigate in low visibility situations? You know, nighttime, fog, What's, what's your secret? Yeah. If, um, if you want to tell everybody. <laughs> oh, no, there's not, not any particular hidden secrets. Um, I guess it does depend on the terrain and what you, you know, what, what you sort of, what, um, I guess features there are to go off. Um, I guess predominantly, obviously, as it gets lower visibility, you do rely on the compass a lot more. Um, because if it's if it's good visibility, you can see the features that you're trying to navigate off, and you can more or less put the compass away. So a lot of the time, you know, if you're out in the open in the daytime, then well, you don't really need the compass. You just look at you know what the contours and hills are doing. But at night time, I mean, you obviously still need to pay attention to that. But you, I guess, there's you know quite a bit of the time where all you see is trees or sort of, you know, dark ground in front of you and on the scale of the maps that you typically use in adventure racing, I mean, like an orienteering, it's not such a big problem because there's so much detail you can, um, I, I guess you could often see detail even reasonably, you know, close by, whereas in the adventure racing at that scale of map, um, you know, you have to go several hundred metres before you'll sort of see any real, you know, big change in, I don't know, in the features. Um and, you know, your visibility at night time might only be, you know, 20 metres or not not very far. So I think the, the compass is definitely a, yeah. a fairly key element there. Um, one of the good techniques, which, I don't know, doesn't always, you know, I guess I wouldn't always use, but can be quite useful is to aim off a little bit. So try and, you know, like rather than going directly straight to where you're wanting to go, if there's something a little bit you can either follow slightly like you know the edge of a slope line or you can or if you're trying to hit a, a point like you know say there's a control on a river and you're coming at it from sideways then if you kind of deliberately go a little bit left to right and you, then you know you're when you hit the river you which side of the control you can then you know follow along so you can kind of I guess bounce sort of bounce off features a little bit rather than trying to go yeah I, I guess the key is to stay in contact so if Sometimes, you know, you might go a tiny bit out of your way, which I do quite regularly, just a little bit, you know, slightly left or right, just so that you can then hit a, a handrail or a feature that you kind of like, okay, now I'm here, and sort of keeps you in contact. Whereas if you try and just ignore them and just 
purely go on the compass, you'll drift, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. pretty impossible to get a super accurate bearing, especially when the maps, you know, yeah. the magnetic north's off and you haven't had time to, you know, accurately draw on. And, and when you're going through the terrain, yeah. you also don't want to be slowing down. Like, I mean, that's another thing is that if you're trying to be too careful on your compass, you, speed you your speed slows because you, you're not picking the good lines through the terrain because, you know, there's often thick overgrown bits or windfall and you, you're weaving around through the terrain. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of got to, I guess, it's a bit of a trade-off between, you know, being too accurate versus, you know, losing your speed. So you kind of, for me, I tend to go a little bit more perhaps wild on the compass or, you know, like just use it as a, as a yeah. gen, sort of a, keeping you reasonably in the general direction but then sort of more bouncing off the features, I guess, is probably my you, approach. You do also, like, just from watching you in some of those forest bits in the dark, he's a, he's a really big, um, really bright spot headlight and you do, like, like that flicks around all over the place because you're trying to figure out what the what the ground is doing, what the contour detail is doing, and having a I think having a really fast spot like that does give you a bit more something to go off than than if you didn't. Yeah, certainly. Like if if it's not like if you're not in like mist or um, you know really dense forest, yeah. if it's just a normal forest or in the open and especially at night time, then having yeah the the bright sort of light means you can see a little bit further and again kind of pick up the the bigger picture a bit more because um, I guess the more mm-hmm. and so and I guess another trick I do occasionally is, is to turn the light completely off because at night time your you know I guess your vision you know when you've got the light on it it gets used to the light and you see so your night vision kind of is not all that good and sometimes in those situations what you really want to be seeing is you know what's that hill you know a kilometre away doing, and you're never going to see that with your light, because, you know, your light's never yeah. going to be lighting up a hill several kilometres away, but if you turn your lights <laughs> off and just wait for, you know, a minute or something, and so every so often, I, I definitely, you know, we did that in this race once, where I, we were on these, um, I think it was checkpoint 19 or 20, I can't remember, there was a checkpoint on that sort of long pack crafting oh, stage that had... Lots yeah. of little hilltops, yeah. and on the map it just showed a single one, but in reality there was just a lot more detail going on, and we kind of went up to the top of one little hill, and it was like, oh, no control here. So it's, you're kind of like, initially like, oh, that, because it, it was a bit tricky and vague in there anyway, and you kind of get there, and you think, oh, maybe this is up here, and then you're sort of like, oh, no, not here. And, you, and then, you know, we kind of realised <laughs> after a while, oh, there's another hill just over there, you know, pretty close, and we kind of went up that, and then, we kind of, I guess, quickly realised there was lots of little hills around, so it was hard to see where the overall, because we knew we were in the, you know, right vicinity, but sort of trying to then find which direction, you know, mm. left, right, or straight ahead to try and find a higher hill. So what we did is just turn the lights off and, you know, try and get your eyes accustomed to the dark, and then you can sort of make out the tree canopies, or you know, through the trees, you mm-hmm. can sort of see, oh yeah, it looks like there's some higher trees, you know, a few hundred metres over that direction and, and the same yeah so I think that's another good trick that can be quite useful is just to occasionally yeah if you need to see things further away and sometimes turn the lights off and just then your eyes get used to it can be can be useful yeah yeah I, I, I understand that makes sense to me so, um, okay here's the question from some some guy named Nathan Favre. Who's <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that strange? I, I think he's some sort of wannabe or something. But um, And I'm guessing maybe this might be a little bit of an inside joke. 
But is David Bowie in heaven or in space? <laughs> Definitely in space. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I think that was that was from years ago. We had a had a video of us um, racing the Seagate in I think it was World Champs in France and we were seeing Flight of the Concords um, oh, Bowie space. in space. <laughs> <laughs> it's very far out, I assume there was, there was something. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was a f- fun time then. <laughs> fun times. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, my friend Donna, Jan, she said, you guys look pretty good right after the race. How did you really feel? And then how long does it take you to feel normal-ish? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah, I, I think... Well, it certainly felt good on the finish line. I mean, I guess, like, you've got all the the excitement and the high of the fact that you're finishing and, you know, the fact that we'd won, obviously, was pretty exciting. So that probably probably gave us a bit of a, I don't know, maybe adrenaline or just general sort of boost of, of feeling. But we did, I think we did actually look after each other pretty well in this race. We, On the scheme of things, you know, we, we ate really well. We had lots of like fresh fish and avocado and things in the boxes. And I think the nature of the terrain was that, you know, it was rough and tough, but it was slow going. And so, I mean, obviously other than poor old Dan with his feet, which was, you know, he was a mess because of that. But I think if it hadn't been for that, he would have also been the same as the rest of us. Um, We actually, I think we'd managed our sleep really well as well. So we were actually quite, I didn't, I never, in this race, I think I had the least sort of, of that, feeling of you know falling asleep on your feet um, too, so go for two real lows yeah we really, really were kind of quite careful to avoid too much of that so I think um we actually did feel quite good coming in you know those last two days I think we really the whole team felt pretty strong and quite awake and alert and generally not as trashed as you can sometimes feel at the end of an adventure race <laughs> um but having said that of course you know you, you finish and then you sleeping is is required a lot of it and then everything swells up and you know you get all puffy and sore and you know for me it definitely takes I mean Chris is already running around and full of beans but I generally find that it's about a month of sort of feeling a little bit just not quite your usual self just tired and and your muscles are a bit, bit fatigued as well so you know it does it does take quite a bit of time I think to recover yeah, I think a lot of it does depend on the the length of the race and how it's gone for you. Like, you know, if you've if you've had a particularly hard race because you've either been, you know, unwell or whatever, then obviously it'll mm. take longer to recover. I mean, I guess for me, I found the first you know few days are definitely like just really swollen and you know fat ankles and feet and things, and um, you, you feel a bit broken. But normally after about a week I'm feeling reasonable you can still feel the effects like I mean you know you sure you go out there and do a bit of a run or bike ride but you can certainly feel the your body hasn't re- recovered properly um so yeah I, I normally find I reckon about three weeks is a, so it could easily be up to a month um before you sort of really um feel I guess more refreshed again um yeah, yeah, but I think I think one of the keys for us, as Emily was saying in this, in the longer races, to um, we knew it was going to be longer races, just kind of manage yourself so you don't get too smashed and run down early on. Because I think you know I've done a few races where you've gone out really hard and not got enough sleep and just per- 
perhaps push too hard and you seem to end up, you know, going really fast and then really slow. And I guess it's frustrating, you know, going so fast and you're sort of like, oh, yeah, we're like 30 minutes up. And then, you know, in the last couple of days, you're just losing hours of time, not necessarily to anyone else, but just to yourselves kind of mm. <laughs> often. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, yeah. I think, I think, I mean, you're always going to go faster to start, but I think trying to keep it a little bit more balanced is, is a good strategy. Yeah. 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 So, question, question for me, because I, I have some. <laughs> how how hard was this race compared, you know, compared to some of the other really hard races? And was that what you expected? Um, I guess for me it was an easier race. Um, <laughs> which I know the God Zone all guys probably won't like me to say, but um, yeah. a lot of it is to do with you know your strengths and weaknesses and and kind of how you manage yourself and and a little bit how you go like you know like for Dan with his feet I suspect certainly towards the end it was a real hard race you know he was definitely yeah. not you know in quite a bit of pain and definitely you know I guess it does take a lot out of you even just physically having you know to deal with deal with you know issues like that so you know I think for him he certainly you know I was feeling a little bit more wrecked to the after the race and it was quite difficult whereas I guess for me and probably Emily as well a little bit the um the nature of being off trail oh, yeah. I, I guess I, I, loved the course I really lo- I guess for, for us we love being off trail like trail basically the more off trail the better and because you know, a lot, a lot of people find it sort of hard work going off trail, but I guess to me, you kind of go a little bit slower, and it's because of what I'm sort of like and used to. I can, I guess to me, it's sometimes more relaxing. I mean, it's a bit tricky eating when you're trying to navigate and you've got bushes everywhere, you know, trying to get some food out, and especially if you're making up, not like a bar, but, you know, like trying to have a little muesli, you know, make up a little sort of meal in a bag. It's That, that can get a bit challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, yeah, I, I find the nature of that sort of, long off-road actually quite a bit more relaxing in some ways. <laughs> well, I think we had a, we got into our little adventure, didn't we? It sort of felt like, it felt like a, it, it felt in some ways less racy than what, than, than a shorter, you know, faster race. It felt more like a sort of adventure, I guess, yeah, in the mountains. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's cool. Well, well I'm going to talk with, with um, Graham Bird, and he might think it's a little harder than you do. <laughs> yeah, I have been reading some of the some of the um, some reports and things of people coming out. So I'm not, but I wouldn't want to, you know, take like I guess we've grown up. Well, I've certainly, and Chris is the same. We've grown up tramping in the New Zealand mountains and in the New Zealand forest and doing lots of really tough tramping. So I wouldn't want to take away from. You know, it was yeah. like it was tough. I don't think anyone would deny oh, yeah. that. But, but yeah. I think I think it's what I would guess what I was saying is that I think yeah. the toughness is it's all sort of depends on how the race goes for you. And you know, you can do a real short race and it can be horrendously tough if you know you're really pushing yourself and you're struggling and everything else. And I've heard some stories of teams. Oh, yeah. and I definitely for teams that are not, you know, I mean, it was a. I was a suited suited book to the navigators in that forest mm. kind of you know like oh. if you weren't I guess confident doing the bush navigation for long you know hours and hours at a time um, I imagine I mean when we were out there we were saying that you know if, if you weren't sort of really confident of that you'd be having a an epic of a adventure you know yeah. <laughs> we could see that some of these <laughs> would be 
really yeah. um, at their limits, you know, trying to trying to even just get around that one stage. Yeah, so I can certainly see that it was, um, you know, there's there's definitely some big big adventures for some quite a few teams out there for sure. Yeah. So what was for you guys um, the the crux, the high point? What where did you win the race at? What section do you think were you strong or? Um, I guess I guess for me. I'll keep interrupting Emily here. Um, yeah. <laughs> for me, I felt the key deciding factor that sort of started off was when we slept in Westy's hut and the others decided not to sleep that night because we'd had two, um, I guess, bigger stark zones the first two nights. So, you know, a lot of the front teams had all got a reasonably good sleep. And I think Swordbox um, had basically felt that, you know, because they'd had some really good sleeps, they're more or less starting the race fresh from a sleep perspective and I think you know it's typical in these races for you know not to sleep on the first night um so I think they sort of had in their heads oh no we're just going to go through that you know following night and you know start sleeping after that and so we we ended up you know stopping was a it was a race to Westie's hut wasn't it it was like a mini race to I don't know if they would have stopped there anyway no well it doesn't sound like it but we felt like we were we thought we were were, because we thought they were going to stop stop Westie's hut as well and somehow we managed to actually win that race to Westie's hut and we thought oh that's good you know we got there first but then I don't know if it was in their strategy anyway but in our minds it was in their strategy to get there and we got there first so we got a couple of hours sleep there where they kept going and then, and then, so that was kind of how it started. And then they ended up. I guess it was a good, a really good sign for us when we, you know, were walking on that south coast track. Oh yeah, because we kept getting little reports. And towards the end of it, um, we, you know, saw them um, sleeping in the Port Craig hut, and that was at about seven o'clock at night, it was or daylight, it was still daylight. And we were like, that's, you know, it's, it's, we knew that wouldn't be what they would have been aiming for. So I guess it's a good sign. From our from our team's perspective, they're, they're obviously struggling because they wouldn't have chosen to stop in the daytime unless they were, you know, feeling quite sleepy yeah. or having, you know, issues with the feet or some combination. So I guess for us it was a sign that they were obviously having issues to be then sleeping there. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a mental, you know, boost. You so like, yep, yep, they're definitely struggling. Um, and because they then stopped for, you know, two or three hours, I can't remember how long they stopped for, but you know, because they had their sleep. Then, sort of late in that, you know, that sort of evening, if you like, um, they then were like, well, we, you know, can't really afford or, you know, not wanting to stop again that night. night. Um, Whereas because we'd, you know, slept the whole night earlier, we then stopped on the mountain bikes around midnight and again had a three-hour sleep. And found a very comfortable little shelter that had a lovely roof and couches and and it was raining. raining. And they're going, oh, I like the sound of that rain. Swordbox are going to be having so much fun in the forest right now. <laughs> yeah, because we saw their lights go past when we were lying there, um, you know, just sort of going to sleep, or maybe they sort of woke us up very temporarily. But anyway, we're, it, was, it was kind of a bit of a surreal moment because we were just lying there. It was, yeah, raining on the sort of tin roof and... And we were just lying there going, oh. We just eat a whole lot of salmon. Oh, yeah. And we are like, oh, I hope it's really miserable out there. <laughs> we were thinking to ourselves. And, and sure enough, we didn't actually realise, but we hopped up in the morning. We we end up mucking around, losing close to an hour, just trying to make decisions. And 
was a tricky forest. Was a tricky forest with they'd, they'd sort of end up, you know, spending the whole night basically fighting these forestry trails. And I think, yeah, just the, the sort of how that ended up playing out. We sort of, you know, got the good sleep, and they sort of were fighting the the trails in the night time. I think that kind of was where the turning point to mm. me sort of was. And so then I guess as it got, you know, um, towards the end of that bike ride, we ended up, you know, catching them up because we were sort of had all this extra sleep and were feeling fresher and they were sort of getting tired. And I think just to me that's sort of how mm. where, where the deciding factor was actually quite early on. Um, and it wasn't like, yeah, I think, I think from a strength navigation point of view, we were very well matched and that, you know, they were – um, navigating really well, um, you know they've got three good navigators on their team as well, um, and we're obviously doing a good job at least when we saw them. And they were really smooth. And, and speed-wise, you know they've had a lot of also practice. I mean they are all orientated, you know they've, they've kind of got an orienteering off-road background as well, so they were also you know efficient through the through the off through the bush off track um, and on the paddling and. I didn't really see so much in the blind, but I guess we thought we were probably quite similar strengths to them. So it was, it was going to be a close race, but I think, yeah, to us, the, the big thing was I think we just ended up working a little bit with the sleep better. And, and I felt our teamwork was, to me, really good this year. Like, you know, we were just really good at working as a team, whereas we, when we passed them, they were a little bit more individualistic. You know, they were trying to, you know, more manage, look after themselves, whereas you know, the whole time we were, you know, like when I was – you know, carrying and like I guess more, some of the more of the load and and um, you know trying to navigate than Emily or someone else would be you know kind of organising food to give to me rather than me having to do that and just doing a lot of yeah. little little things to the team and I think to me it really did highlight this year you know when people always go say about the teamwork you know being important mm. but I, I think it really was one of the other big key factors to why we got a bit of an edge on sword boxes I reckon we. We're working really well as a team this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's interesting because that, that brings us to a question that, uh, that uh, Trevor Mullins had. What's it like racing your teammates? <laughs> um, I mean, is it fun? Is it hard? You you kind of said like, well, you sort of know what they're going to do. <laughs> How does that all play out? Well, I guess. When you're racing them, they're no longer teammates. That's, that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> they become the enemy. And sometimes I'm a little bit bad at that. I should be. I should probably be a little bit less ruthless out there on the course. I'm not ruthless, but you know, like a bit more friendly. But I tend to find that yeah, when I, when I'm racing, whoever it is, it's, they become the opposition temporarily. But afterwards, you know, they go back to being friends again, which sometimes is a bit weird. But um. That's sort of sort of how it pads out. I guess it's you know I guess the reality is is that you know you're still obviously I mean in fact with any team you're not wanting them to have um, you know sort of big issues like I guess you you want them to have a good I guess it's always beat a team when you felt they've had a good race rather than when you know they've had some issues so you sort of it's not like you're wanting negative things but um at the same time you do always get a bit of satisfaction when you can see they're struggling a little bit you're like oh yes <laughs> um but <laughs> i don't know i think it's it's a bit of a funny it is a bit of a funny situation but i don't know it seems to so long as you kind of i don't know aren't too i don't know what's the word 
I guess it's still fairly good nature, the competition, really. It's not, you don't yeah. get too, yeah. it's not. There was some good banter when we were with them. Yeah, you know, like it's sort of, you are competitive, but at the same time, it's, you're not actually, yeah, it's kind of in a, in a fun, a fun way. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you guys, do you interact with many when you're on trail or, do you know, chat a little bit or, or do you not even together ever? With the other teams. Yeah. Especially your teams that have your teammates on them <laughs> um i guess the first couple of days we you know you, you if, if you kind of find yourself going along with another you team you tend up. to talk to them quite a bit because it's a bit of a novel Someone else to talk to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, you kind of at one, on one hand you sort of like don't really like i don't know i think most teams like to be by themselves on the whole yeah. but at the same time if you are beside another team, it's mm. kind of interesting to have a bit of a puff because it's just some new conversation. So, yeah, you generally do tend we to... We had some good chats with Tiki Tour about house building and all sorts of different <laughs> things for a few hours coming into one transition. They were just with us, and so we just chatted away, and it was quite nice. It passed a few hours quite quickly. That's right. No, no, it's always good to, good to have a bit of puff. Yep. Um... Naomi Whitehead said, what do you think of your new nickname, the uh, Sneaky Elins family? <laughs> the Sneaky. Sneaky. Right. So what about I, Sneaky? Yeah, so were you guys being a little sneaky? Well, here's here's a better question. <laughs> Are you sneaky during a race? Sneaky. Do you guys oh. turn off your lights? Oh. I, I get Aaron's look. <laughs> yeah, I get Aaron's sneaky. He's cutting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think he's more sneaky than me. Um, no, I just think... We, like, we, do you turn, yeah, we, we you do, have done that before, though, haven't you? Oh, you yeah, definitely, definitely on the navigating, I do like, I do enjoy playing little games of, um, you know, like if there's another team nearby, I certainly put a little bit of effort into trying to make it confusing for them, one way or another, or trying to, you know, kind of slip behind the hill. Like, we did some dumb things. Well, not dumb, but, you know, things in this race as well. Well, we, we did try and, yeah, on that double hill, we yeah. tried to sneak away from sort of Cause, that's right. Because we got up to the hill and <laughs> we kind of um, really quickly, you know, rushed down to get off the off the hill so they wouldn't have seen where we were up there. Um, and mm-hmm. it, then we realised that we'd kind of really gone, gone, down, right. gone down the wrong side of the hill from where we were wanting to go because <laughs> we really thought about it too. It was just... More of a panic of like, quick, let's get away from the control. And we ran down the hill, and they were like, "Ah, oh, actually, we really should have gone over the other side of the hill." So then, but then we we're like, "Well, the quickest way would be just to go back up over the hill with the control." So we kind of, you know, deliberately wasted probably a couple of minutes, sort of doing a little bit of a sloop around the hill to try and stay out of yeah. the sight of them. Um, and certainly, you know, there's... You go quiet sometimes if you've just found a checkpoint and you're wanting to, yeah. you know, run sort of... But we didn't have to yeah. talk about that. Everyone was quite instinctive. Like, if we'd found a checkpoint from something... Just quickly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, there's definitely, you know, fun games when you know there's a... I mean, I guess that's the thing with Sword Fox, they're, they're pretty on to the navigating. I mean, you certainly don't want to lead them into controls, but there's probably little they point trying to, you know like at a sort of an intersection way earlier on, do, you know, something silly. But I I definitely in the past have been, you know, often it's like, oh, just got to get some food out of my bag. And, you know, it's it's quite nice to let the other team go past briefly at a sort of decision Mm -hmm. point of view, if you can. Or, uh, I know, there's lots of little fun 
fun game. So I certainly, I certainly enjoy the, enjoy the, the little, yeah, bat- battles of wits in that regard. But I think, I think with sword faults, we we were constantly sort of thinking maybe we could out sneak them, but we'd be going up a hillside, and then you'd look around, and then on the other hillside we could see their lights, and it's like, oh, they're coming at it from a different direction. And apparently they were having identical conversations in their team every time. It was like, oh, there's there's Eaglins again. Yeah, no, that was that was the problem. They they were really racing too well because because yeah. we kept on thinking, oh yeah, this has been real tricky, and oh, we managed to do this really well, and then sure enough, their lights had turned. Up a few minutes later, we're like, oh, curse them. How are they so good? <laughs> but it, but it, when we made our big mistake, Swordfox actually thought when they got to the beach into that hut, they actually thought, because they'd seen some lights arriving earlier, so they actually thought that they were convinced that it wasn't because we made a mistake that we weren't there, it was because we were tricking them. We'd hidden our boat somewhere or we were doing, we were up to something. They were sure we were up to but they uh, couldn't figure out what on no. earth it was. They thought, oh, they're playing with our minds. What are they doing? Yeah, they thought, oh, we must have either hidden the boats and snuck off, or, yeah. or maybe we had basically gone for a quick sleep, hidden in the bushes before yeah. going to the checkpoint just to, you know, play with them. But, but in reality, we'd just done a big mistake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably shouldn't have told everybody there was a mistake. So you, well, right. first, next time they won't know. Was it a mistake or was it head? <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any good justification for it, though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how much how much of adventure racing is mental as opposed to the physical part? I think it's quite a lot mental in some ways. Like, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm always surprised. I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously both. But, um I'm 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 constantly surprised even out there on the course how your mental state affects your physical. Like you know, you can think you're really just like absolutely struggling and you know really just you know just physically like drained, and then you know you'll change mm-hmm. your mental state for whatever reason and you'll feel fine again. And you're like you know physically, I can't think of any real good physical reason why you know things have suddenly changed because you're mentally have changed then and so I think it, I guess I feel it does play a, good, a big mm. part and and you know as far as staying motivated when you're tired and things like that I think there's you know there's a lot of people that when they do get really tired you know they they start the race when they're feeling fresh and you know they're all fired up and you know eager to race but they get tired and they get you know sort of a bit run down mentally and you know physically sort of like sort of want to give up you know that just seems up sort of so I think it's there definitely is a bit of mental sort of eagerness I don't know eagerness mm. but sort of I think it does have a, a big role I think there was a, I think like on our team and Swordbox would have been the same though I think that there was quite a drive you know it's quite a sense of motivation and of, of no 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 and no question <laughs> I'm Whoa. <laughs> I, I'm still at work. Oops. Oops. What's that going on? Oh, they're doing a little sanding or grinding upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still at work. <laughs> yeah. Good um, all right. I thought it sounded like sanding. I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. All right. So we'll get, we'll finish up. I actually have answered it. You've answered everybody's questions, but, um, I want to know a little bit about the new team. 
Um, for 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 win. <laughs> so your plans for the rest of the year and uh, just uh, what's happening with you guys? Well, with the XC Gate. Yeah, well, there's there's I guess a few people uh, might maybe aware Seagate's no longer sponsoring us. Um, yeah. At the, at the moment, so um, yeah, we we weren't quite sure, but it seems like um, not too surprising. Nathan's become enthusiastic again. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so it seems like we're going to have a, a fairly similar team to two years ago. So Nathan, me, Stu, but with Joe racing instead of Sophie. Um, there's at least the, the yeah. planned lineup for this year. Um, but I guess, you know, it's always a little bit subject to either injuries or motivation or other things. But, yeah, at yeah. the moment we're planning to head over to the X-Trail race um, in China in the middle of the year in June um, yeah. and then World Champs and Reunion Islands in November. So I guess they're the two big, um, yeah. you know, Overseas races on on the calendar for our team. Um, What's the team? Yeah, we're uh, yeah. I, I really need to talk to Nathan and and get the the lowdown on who's actually sponsoring us. So it was yeah. I mean they were obviously racing them and got their own. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I I feel a little bit embarrassed that I haven't really scoped out of Nathan the ins and outs because it was quite a recent. Um, yeah, I guess. Development. development, yeah, because for a while we yeah. obviously didn't have anything organised, and I think Nathan just in the last you know month has yeah. sort of, in typical Nathan fashion, managed to sort out you know <laughs> sort out something. So yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um. <laughs> he got a little tired. He got a little tired of golf and decided he needed a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the he kind of does a few races and then like, oh, why, why am I doing these stupid races? And then. Don't do the races. They're like, oh, I really want races. <laughs> yeah. But I guess everyone so I believe, in some ways. Yeah. Do you have anything for the rest of your planned? Uh, well, I guess having done this race, you know, it was it was quite um, it was really cool, obviously, to to do quite well. And I, I mean, I'm always keen. And I one thing I've thought about. I've only ever raced God's Own. That's the only adventure I've ever actually done. So I'd really like to go and do a race somewhere overseas because I think that would be quite exciting. And I guess, but I would be quite picky probably about what race I would do. So I'd like to do a race that was, you know, somewhere quite wild and remote and and had the same kind of challenges that a race like the race we just did had. So I'd want there to be lots of technical, I guess, you know, mountains or. Um, I, I really enjoy getting into the mountains, into the snow and ice, so anything that had glaciers or anything like that would excite me. And, yeah, basically just going somewhere that I, that I maybe wouldn't go of my own accord and, and go explore somewhere really cool. So that would be kind of my criteria, and I think I think Chris would be quite yeah. quite up for a, for, for a so, race like that with me as well. So. Yeah, yeah. No, we're certainly, yeah. certainly... And with Dan, I mean, I thought Dan was a cool teammate as well, so I'd really like to race with Dan again. And, and Nick Hahn, who was supposed to race, race with us um he's you know he's such a young keen guy and i raced with him last year in god's own and it was lots of fun and he's an amazing navigator sort of up and coming so he'd be another person and it was fun racing with aaron as well so yeah if i got the opportunity i definitely would be yeah i I think i think so who knows exactly what might play out this year but we're we're certainly quite eager to 
you know, do some more races, yeah, I guess in a, a similar team to what we did yeah, God Zone right. with um, as well. So, yeah, I can, I can, there's definitely some, I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty, um, I think it's pretty likely me and Em will do some international race in the not too distant future. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm just going to say it. You guys need to go to Patagonia. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, that was one of the ones I've been thinking of. Yeah. We <laughs> like Patagonia really appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the same well, world champs this, this year, I think. Is it? Well, yeah, unfortunately, out. yeah. So. Uh, Which I'd, I'd already scoped uh, that out, don't worry. I, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for the Patagonia. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Mm. So. All right, so what do you guys got planned for the rest of your day? Not too much. Uh, probably mountain bike, a bit of a mountain bike ride, and then Chris is, we're busy trying to um, build a house here in Queenstown, so... That's Chris's job for the next few months, and it's been quite slow. The few distractions along the way with adventure racing and things. So, I think today I'm gonna. He's got a. He's got a bit of um, drawing, drawing plans to get finished. So, I'm gonna encourage him to. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in. I'm in the middle of this big remodel. I'm doing. Yeah, I can see that. For my friends. So. there, I can see that you've so, got some uh, pink gaps yeah. and things exposed. Yep. Yep. So. So well, you'll have fun. Building building's fun, not not as much fun. <laughs> I think it's fun. It's like a different challenge, and you know we like to get our teeth stuck into different things. So yeah, no, I think it'll be good once you get it underway. Yeah, just we just got to get the plans off yeah. the ground. That's the key. Get some foundations in and start yeah. building. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. So doing some more practice. So, well, that's cool. That's that's exciting. So all right, well, I'm gonna let you mountain bike. Plant houses, and I'm gonna go plow snow. Cool, cool. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Thanks. This is this has been great. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. All right. All right. We'll see you hopefully sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Cool. All right. Thanks. Bye. See you. Bye. Just a